I want to read, though, a passage of scripture from Ephesians. Ephesians is the book in your Bible that talks mostly about the church uh, and about how um, the first three chapters is really about what God has done for us in the church. And the second, the, the next three chapters of Ephesians talks to us about how do we live within the church and, and what should we expect of the church and what should we expect to give to the church. And so that's really what Ephesians is about. And Ephesians chapter 4 is where I want to read from this morning. Ephesians 4 starting at verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bury with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And then skipping to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. I turn to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the privilege of being able to look at your word again. We thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of being part of your church here on earth. And we pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us to be a healthy part of that church, that you would help each one of us to contribute to the health of the church that we're part of. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, you would have your good and your perfect will done in each one of us as a result of being connected with the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, even though I'm not preaching from that text this morning, and I'll do that some other time when I'm preaching a series here in the book of Ephesians, um, but I want to highlight some truths that come out of that before I get to uh, the real topic of this morning, church health as it relates to trust. Um, but Paul says here several things about a healthy church. He says, first of all, that a healthy church is one that helps people walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have in Christ Jesus. So if, if that's what we're supposed to do as a church, is help everyone walk in a worthy manner. Secondly, he says that a, a healthy church is one that causes us to grow in character. In other words, there ought to be times when you come to church and you leave a bit uncomfortable because you've been challenged, because you've been something has been brought to your attention that needs to be changed in your life. 
And so a healthy church is one that causes us to grow in character. Life in community is the best way for each one of us to become the best that God wants us to be. Then Paul goes on to say that a healthy church helps people live wisely in fellowship with one another. It, it, it just helps us learn to deal with all different kinds of people and to deal with them effectively and productively for the sake of the health of the whole church. And so it helps us live wisely in fellowship. A healthy church next, he says, keeps God as the central focus. It's real easy for um, everything to lose focus. It doesn't matter your family. It can be uh, your workplace. Anything in life, it's easy to lose focus. And the church isn't any different than that. And it's real easy for the church to lose focus on God and pretty soon be focused on people or this or that program or something else. And pretty soon we've lost the whole element of why we're here, which is God. And so a healthy church keeps us focused on God, uh, letting that be the central focus. Tommy Lasorda said one time, my responsibility is to get my 25 guys playing for the name on the front of their group, playing for the name on the front of their uniform and not for the one on the back. <laughs> And the challenge for each one of us is to make sure that we are here as a church, playing for the name of our Lord and not for ourselves. That we don't use church just for our own benefit. That we, we gather together and what we do in the church is done for the benefit and for the glory of God. And then Paul says in this passage that a healthy church is one that appreciates and values the differences among us. It also equips and enables people to minister. It frees you up to find that area where you can minister to someone else and, and go for it. And then lastly, he says, a healthy church is one that calls people to maturity by speaking the truth in love. And that's not something that we just jump for joy at all the time. Um, sometimes we don't like speaking the truth in love, but sometimes we don't like receiving uh, the truth in love. And, and so Paul says a healthy church does that. And it disciplines itself to speak truth in love to people. And so and some other time we'll talk more about that, maybe, maybe even next week some. You've all seen the poster that says, all I ever really needed to know I learned in kindergarten, right? I see a lot of smiles. So you've seen that poster. Healthy church teams can be built on kindergarten playground rules and a solid biblical foundation. And a lot of times, when, when a church is not being healthy, it, it comes down to one of those two things. Either we, we forgot everything we learned in kindergarten about how we treat people. Or we've eliminated a scripture. And, and scripture is no longer really vital and important in our lives. So those, those two things are important. Patrick, like, 
Valencioni wrote a great book in 2002 called uh, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And he wrote that for the corporate world, which he was more involved in at that time. He goes from big companies like Apple and Google and all those IBMs and all the big companies in the world and helps them sort through their problems to make them more effective and productive. And so anyway, he wrote this book at, as he traveled from one company to another and diagnosed that almost every organization, when they're not functioning as a team, you can trace it down to these five problems that they have. Well, those same things apply very much to the church. First of all, he says, an absence of trust. Any place you don't have a team working together, there is an absence of trust. Trust is the confidence that the intentions of other church people toward me are good. So if you come to church and you don't have trust, what you're basically saying is, man, I really don't trust that those church people are for me. And if you don't have that, you don't have a healthy team in church. And so if there's not trust, then you and I kind of become very protective instead of vulnerable and transparent. A lack of trust can lead us into hypocrisy. I have fear of conflict. Pretty soon, I just go to church and I pretend to be someone else. I pretend to be what I think people want me to be because I can't be real because I don't trust that these people really have my best interests at heart or that they're going to help mold and shape me into a better person with grace and love. That's true. You see, if I don't trust you, I'm not going to let you confront me. I'm not going to let you challenge me. And I'm not going to let you disagree with me. And so trust is really important in the church. And we don't very often think about that. But we have to make sure that within the church that we develop this trust within ourselves and you have to trust me, and I have to trust you, and you have to trust each other if we're going to really be a healthy church that functions like God wanted the New Testament church to function. The second thing that happens that makes teams dysfunctional and makes churches dysfunctional is a fear of conflict. So many times, you know, because... Because, you know, we've all been told, you know, be patient and kind and good, and we have all these lists of, of things that we should be. And, and so sometimes in the church, we throw out all the scriptures that have to deal with correcting problems. And if you're going to correct a problem, guess what? You have to have some conflict and some disagreement, and you have to wrestle through things. How many of you that are married have gone for 20 years and never had an argument? And how many of you have healthy marriages without any arguments or conflicts or discussions? None of you. <coughs> Conflict is the price that we pay 
Say that again. Conflict is the price we pay for deepening intimacy. And sometimes in the church, we are so scared about it that we don't confront each other, we don't speak the truth in love, just because we're, we're afraid of conflict. And a lot of times we're afraid of it because we have practiced it, sometimes without love, but sometimes we practiced it and some of us have just not been receptive at all. In fact, we just got mean just because somebody came and corrected us a little bit. And so we have to be careful on both sides of that point. We have to allow people to correct us if we're going to be healthy in the church. And we have to be willing to step out and faith and speak the truth in love when someone else needs it. Those two things have to go together. Where there's a lack of trust, people tend to make debate personal. Well, they're just attacking me. And we need to be sure that when we con confront someone else, that we are attacking behavior and not a person. Always, always, always keep that focus on behavior and not make it personal. The third thing that that happens in churches and in teams is a lack of commitment. Well, if you don't have much trust and you can never bring up anything that you really need to talk about, guess what? You end up with a lack of commitment. And commitment comes from being able to be clear on the decisions that you make and what you're going to do and having buy-in on expectations uh, of what you expect of people and, and your requirements and all of that. So there's an absence of trust, a fear of conflict, a lack of commitment. And then this, this fourth one is an avoidance of accountability. We're in the church. We don't want to be accountable to anyone. If we are committed, we will invariably lack or not want any accountability. We need to clarify what is expected within the church sometimes and emphasize team achievement instead of just, you know, Adrian getting his way. What's good for the whole church? What's good for all of us and all that kind of thing? And then you need to be able to come and confront me and say, Pastor, you're just not hiding in this area. And we need to be able to talk to each other and have those just, you know, discussions with each other. Those kind of things. There needs to be that kind of accountability within the church if we're going to be healthy. But so often we're so afraid of conflict that we allow our churches to become unhealthy because we just want to get along. And pretty soon you don't have a healthy church because you're not really addressing the issues that need to be addressed. And then this last one is this inattention to results. And that's when we start <coughs> caring about all kinds of other stuff rather than the results and the stuff that God really cares about. How many of you would go, could keep going to basketball games and football games if there was no scoreboard? 
But we do it in the church all the time. We expect people to just keep coming to church week after week and man in time and, and doing all this stuff. We expect them to keep coming and we don't ever put a scoreboard in. Are there results? And are those results the results that God wants us to have as a church? Are we really, you know, doing those things that matter? Are we reaching people for Jesus? Are we caring for the needs of each other within the church body? All those kind of things. And, and this is not a critical message this morning, because you guys do so great, so much of it. <coughs> but every one of us need to be reminded of what the church is about, what it means to be a healthy church. And I want you to keep doing the things you're doing and keep emphasizing results. Because the results, we have to give our attention to the results that God cares about. And not just the things that I care about, you care about, and all these other side issues. What is it that God cares about? We need to be doing that. Now I want to get down to just talking about trust in the church. A healthy church is a church where people trust each other. Trust, however, is not developed without relationships. <clears throat> is there anyone you trust that you don't have a relationship with? <laughs> uh, you've got to have a relationship. And you've got to have a working relationship. You've got to do things together with each other if you're going to build trust with each other. And so because of that, there's an acrostic for trust. And the first thing there I want to say is that um, trust requires time. You're not just going to come into a church and instantly <coughs> trust that church. Because it takes some time to build a relationship to see that people treat you like they should, treat you in a church. All those kind of things, it takes some time to do that. Uh, it takes time for you to trust a new pastor when he comes in, for me to trust a new congregation when I arrive. Those kind of things, all that kind of stuff takes some time on trust. You see, trust is not something that is given. Some trust is something that is earned. And so just a reminder for all of us that every time you walk in the doors of the church, you are either building or losing trust with the people in the church. <coughs> it's one more time you're here. And you're building or losing trust with other people in the church based on the things you're doing. And we have to keep that in mind. Secondly, trust is built on respect for each other. And that means that I respect you even though you have a different opinion than me on something. And you can respect me even though I have a different opinion on something than you do. We can respect each other and still we can have a good, healthy debate on matter. It should be this way or that way. All those kind of things. But we need to be able to talk about those things and, and still respect each other. Thirdly, the you and trust is for understanding that all of us are different. That God wired us and designed every one of us very different. 
Again, for those of you who are married, how would your marriage look if both of you were identical people? I mean, you have the same personality, the same interests, the same habits. If both of you never wash dishes, If both of you tended to get hot under the collar, how would your marriage work if both of you just had the same, you were just paired up with someone just like you? It would not work very well. Compliment. The differences complement each other and fit together. And I know we get frustrated with some of those differences from time to time, but it's a whole lot better. <laughs> Because the, the things you get mad at in other people the most are the things that frustrate you about yourself. And if you were married to someone just like you, could you imagine how bad I would be? That would not be good. And so in the church, one of the things that, that we need to do to build trust is we need to appreciate and value the differences among us. The way God made us different from each other. We need to complement each other. The essence trust is for support by building up one another. Can you look at people when they come to church and find that thing in them that is correct? And support them, encourage them, build them up. And then the T in trust is for truth. Because honesty always pays. But I also want to say this, in terms of, of truth. Within the church, there has to be some absolutely ultimate, bottom line authority. And sadly, in our day and age, in American circles especially, we have lost that. We've given that up. And I, I just want to stand here before you and claim as loudly as I can, we have to maintain of the Holy Scriptures. Because if we don't have anything that holds us all together, that we can all say, yeah, that's not what I want to believe, but that is what the Scripture says. If there isn't anything that we hold to firmly in regard to a bottom line authority for what is true in our life, then there isn't anything that's going to hold us together as a We have to have that source of authority in our life, and we have to have that source of authority in the scripture in the church um, for each one of us if, if we're going to be a healthy church. Because it can't just be what Pastor Timothy says. There's a lot of thinking up here that isn't all that good. We've got to have a source of authority that's solid, rock solid. Most of us, now when I talk about trust, most of us have had enough battle scars in life and in the church to make trust come hard. I, I would just doubt that if I had you raise your hands and I asked if any of you had never been heard in church, that there would be no hand that would be shooting up. As we lost, you know, anytime you get involved with people, 
or another, you're going to have your feelings hurt from time to time. And all of you, I'm sure, have been hurt by the church at times. I think Oswald Chambers was very wise when he's talked about Jesus. He said, our Lord trusted no man, yet he was never suspicious, never bitter, never in despair about any man, because he put God first in his trust. He trusted absolutely in what God's grace could do for any man. And so within the church, part of, part of dealing with the fact that you, you just need to know, and sometimes just admitting certain things helps us cope with life. You need to know that if you're going to stay in the church, you are going to get hurt by the church. There is no, because you're dealing with people. And sometime or another, you're going to get hurt by me. Just know that. I'm going to do something stupid someday. I'm going to say something stupid someday. And you are going to get hurt by me. That is reality. And you know what? I haven't yet, but someday I'm going to get hurt by you. That's part of being alone. That's part of being with any group of people, and you need to face that reality as you deal with the church. You need to know, hey, there's no perfect church out there. There's no perfect group of people. Not everybody's going to think like me, think like me, whatever. We're all going to be different. <coughs> so, when you think about babies, Take a baby, you can take a baby and pass it around a group of people. The baby doesn't look in four that am I going to get dropped. Babies just have this sense of trust. And then they grow up. You know, none of us want to be passed around a group of people. <laughs> we just wouldn't trust people like that. We grow up and we get hurt in life. And pretty soon, as we grow up, we learn that trust doesn't serve us very well. <laughs> and so a lack of trust is how you and I protect ourselves from being hurt. So I want to say to you again, trust is a requirement for a healthy church. And yet everything in life tells you not to trust. Because you don't want to get hurt. You have to work with those two things. And you have to trust enough so that you can be part of a healthy church, so that you can contribute toward being a healthy church, and so that the church can minister to you. A lot Again, a lack of trust is how we keep the world from hurting us. And yet the church is never healthy if you and I don't trust each other enough to be open and honest and able to disagree and love each other, speaking the truth and love. So, we trust with our eyes open, knowing that no one, no church is perfect, no group of people are perfect. Ronald Reagan, back in his days as president, used the line, trust but verify. 
And it really applies to the spiritual life. It really applies to Christian life. It applies to life in the church. Trust people, but verify. Check them out. Prove them. And, and learn. You know, this person here, I don't have to be careful with. Sometimes I have to be careful with this person. So you trust people, but you verify. Practice some of those. So we trust others, uh, knowing that if they fail us, uh, we can still trust God. And we can trust God that He's going to do a good work in me even when I get hurt. Even when I hurt someone else, God is still going to do His good work. Now, how do you build trust? Some of you contribute with just an absolute 
beautiful smile and your hospitality. And if we didn't have those people in the church, who wants to come to a grumpy place? Nobody. Those things are so important. Um, what about service? And those people that serve, those people that go back at least once a month and each other's church while the rest of you stay in here, serve and work, their consistency and confidence, all of that is awesome. Uh, faithful attendance. What would happen if, if there weren't the, those solid people that you just knew were always going to be here? What about those who pray? Some of you, you know, the church needs those prayer warriors who are always there praying for us. Those who uh, maybe park way off in the Bunyaga so that people can park that need to up close to the church. What about sitting so there's room for handicapped people or and so visitors have easy access. Contributing by finances or speaking well of the church when you go out in the community. All those things are ways, ways that you can contribute. And sometimes you and I can get focused on the things I can't do anymore. There's things that some of you used to be able to do in the church and, and you're sad because you can't do them anymore, but you can So what can you do? Focus on the things that you can do in the church. I am actually going to come to a conclusion here. Henry Simpson was a former U.S. Secretary of State. He said the chief lesson in life, in a long life, that he learned is that the only way you can make a man trustworthy is by trusting him. And the surest way to make a man untrustworthy is to distrust him and show him your distrust. That's an incredibly insightful quote. Because it seems, at least to me, that in most churches there is this natural inclination to, first of all, distrust people until they prove themselves. And then we'll, then we'll trust. And I want to go back to what he said, and I think, I think it's very right when you go to the scriptures. You cannot make a man trustworthy by not trusting him. You make a man trustworthy by trusting him. What we do in the church so often is not the way of Jesus. Where there is this natural inclination not to trust people and to assume that people are not trustworthy. That's not what Jesus did. There were, I mean, he had some people that he did not trust. And he was very, very clear about it. But he had trusted them and then let down time and time and time and time again. There were the Sadducees and Pharisees and teachers of the law. But when it came to other people, the teachers and the Pharisees and the, you know, the Sadducees didn't trust, those were the people that Jesus trusted. And you know what? Those were the people who became trustworthy. 
And you see Jesus taking a man named Peter who, you know, had a lot of faults. But he trusted him. And even though Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him three times, he made him a disciple and he trusted him. And even though he knew Judas was going to betray him, he put him as treasure of the twelve disciples. And it doesn't always work out. It didn't work out with Judas. But I can tell you what, if you don't trust people to start with, them, you'll never build trustworthy people. Zig Ziglar used to say, if people like you, they'll listen to you. But if they trust you, they'll do business with you. A healthy church is a church where people not only come to listen, but a healthy church is a place where people come to serve and to do the work of God and to let God 